Welcome to a new episode of the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. The new the voice new of voice success. success. We all want to feel successful and fulfilled in our lives, but that can be a bumpy road. Through the experiences, journeys and advice of our guests here on Big Idea Big Moves, we will help you get a jump start on experiencing and cultivating whole life success. Be ready to take notes. Every episode has action items that you can apply to your own life right away. Okay, let's get this started. I will now pass you over to the host of Big Idea Big Moves, Jamie Allison. Hi again, everybody. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. This is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different niches, just people doing really cool things in their space. And uh, we try to take little bits and pieces of their story and, and some of the things that they're doing and hopefully be able to apply some of those in our own lives as well. Um, and uh, so because of that, we've talked to we talk to athletes, we talk to entrepreneurs, we talk to CEOs, sometimes scientists, just people of uh, different uh, types of backgrounds, but all doing really neat things in their space. And I know I have one of those today. Um, really excited about um, being able to talk to our guest. Just before we do that, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we have uh, a special relationship with Epitome Sportswear. Um, and part of the reason that's so special is that they share a lot of the same values we do. And one being that it's not just about kind of high performance, high end um, sports. It's about being able to be comfortable in being able to get out there and being active. And it might be for yourself. It might also be with your family and being able to, um, you know, maybe go to the park or go to a game, that kind of thing. Um, so they're very attached with that as well. The other one that's really important for us is that they like to give back to the community that they serve. And so they're working to impact the inequities um, in opportunity for girls and women in sport. Um, and for that reason, a portion of their profits go directly to organizations and initiatives that support girls in sport. So uh, really cool from that end. If you go to our Instagram uh, bio, you can go directly through there. There is a uh, percentage discount. I think if you go through there as well, um, and so you can do that, or just go directly to them, epitome sportswear.com, E P I T O M E sportswear.com. Um, and really excited today to have uh, Jess Silver with us today. Um, she has a, a whole bunch of things. She is a writer, first of all, a fitness enthusiast, and an advocate. Um, she founded Flex for Access um, first as a social media awareness campaign that we'll talk a little bit about, but now it's a full fledged nonprofit organization aimed at helping societal perceptions of disability evolve um, to allow all individuals, regardless of limitations, fitness level, um, and interest, the ability to engage in exercise and sport. And the organization really acts as a bit of a pathway to allow individuals with physical challenges and injuries to engage in training sessions, whether that be kind of yoga and classes and sport programs, all those things. So lots of cool stuff, lots of great impact. Um, so first of all, thanks very much for sharing, uh, sharing your time with us today, Jess. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. I'm really looking forward to this interview and hopefully working together in other ways collaboratively to have a larger impact. Yeah, yeah. No, this this is really great to be able to hear more about this because I thought it was really interesting when um, when we were going through the initial kind of overview of of what we were going to do and, and find out a bit about how this started for you as something that was that was a, a bit of a a campaign and a awareness campaign has really evolved over the last little while. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about where that came from? Sure, I can definitely do that. And it has been quite the evolution over the last five years. Flex for Access yeah. has existed as a nonprofit organization for now five years. But when I think about it, this passion um, and desire to start something like this for me 
started, you know, almost from the beginning of my life. Um, yeah. I was born with a condition called cerebral palsy, um, which affects my ability to walk independently and affected my motor functions. It's a brain injury um, mm -hmm. that resulted from a uh, lack of oxygen getting to my brain and then uh, causing impairment to my physical, like to my motor functions, such as walking and coordination. Mm -hmm. And I felt that, you know, I've, I've been a sports fan my whole life, really um, avidly into basketball and soccer and tennis. A lot of that comes from passion for those sports that my father has. And he has passed on to me, I think, bigger than, than he ever envisioned he would. Yeah. Um, and I really feel that my own story aligns with those of professional athletes who have to train on a regular basis, you know, more than one times a day in some cases in order to train their physical bodies and also their mental toughness. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's very much been a part of my journey because I've had to navigate through life as you yourself would um, as a quote unquote normal, you know, individual yeah. Um, contribute to society, but having these physical limitations. And for me, sport and really engaging with fitness and movement has been an avenue that's allowed me to do that. And so in 2015, I had the idea of starting an awareness campaign for CP awareness. Again, mm -hmm. CP, for those who don't know, it stands for, is the acronym for cerebral palsy, as I mentioned. And I really felt that there wasn't a lot of awareness um, and understanding around what CP is and how it in fact in, impacts individuals all differently, um, even though there are 70 million people plus that have it around the world, wow. um, every individual is impacted differently. And I found that even though it's the most common neurological disability that babies are born with, typically so many people didn't know about what CP in fact is. So I had the idea of starting Flex for Access to create awareness of cerebral palsy and the fact that it affects every individual differently, but also linking that to my passion for sports and fitness, which as I mentioned, you know, I've been doing therapy, um, physical therapy and using different modalities my whole life. But then over the last decade, it's been about 12 years now, I've been training at a high performance functional fitness level um, and have become more of, you know, even though I'm not a professional athlete, um, I like to think that I am an adaptive athlete, Perf uh, you know, training at that high performance level for some sometimes four days a week. And I really felt that four or five days a week. And I really felt that, you know, fitness has made such a difference in my life, allowing me to improve my physical condition. I can now do exercises such as squats and and uh, T-Rex squats and back squats. And, you know, I learned how to do um, pull-ups, strict pull-ups and uh, a wow. little bit of skipping <laughs> pull-ups um, yeah. and of upper body uh, seated rows, for example. Um, my record at one point for a seated row PR was 135 pounds. And to put that in perspective, I'm only wow. about about 90 pounds. <laughs> wow. Triple my body weight. Um, and I really felt that, you know, there was this disconnect between people understanding um, that I myself as an individual who uses a wheelchair as a mobility aid could be in a gym in a mainstream setting. I was the only one at my gym in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. um, and yet I was showing up to the gym 
you know, every week for my sessions when I was there. And yeah. I had a lot of people, a lot of the members say to me, well, how do you train if you're in a wheelchair? And, you know, a lot of the misconceptions started around what I can do and what condition I, I in fact, have. So Flex for Access started out as a social media awareness campaign with the hashtag Flex for Access, where I get individuals to flex their bicep or be engaged in uh, fitness or sport activity. Now, it doesn't have to be um, adaptive fitness specifically. It's anybody who's active, who <laughs> plays sport or who trains or who does yoga, any kind of physical activity. And the hashtag started to really gain momentum, um, which is what I wanted to help to redefine access to fitness for special populations and also to for people to realize that movement is a form of medicine for all of us regardless of limitations yeah that hashtag really grew exponentially and i had athletes and individuals from as far as brazil and <laughs> Israel and australia um you know posting photos so then i went well in order for me to really make a difference um i think in a, i'm in a position to found a nonprofit organization or an organization I didn't know at the time, maybe that it was going to be a nonprofit, although I did want to go the nonprofit route. And so fast forward to 2017, as I mentioned, started out as a social media awareness campaign in 2015, 2017 registered it as a nonprofit organization. Yeah. Now to date, it's a registered nonprofit organization that operates nationally. I'm based out of Toronto, Canada. Yeah. And the organization has a national impact and global social media reach mm -hmm. um, and impact. And what the organization does is it facilitates training sessions uh, for individuals that have physical disabilities and or acquired injuries to be able to train at local gyms and studios, as well as uh, sports programs. The organization has partnerships with sport-based uh, companies as well. And also it raises funds for the adaptive exercise equipment, which I hope we can talk about. In yeah. Wow. Uh, just, I mean, that's, uh, it's pretty inspirational what you've done that over that amount of time and, and just done personally. I mean, you know, the fact, I think a lot of people wouldn't realize um, when you said 70 million people, I think that probably hits home with a lot of people and realizing, wow, is, this isn't, this isn't a, a, a small thing. A lot of people are impacted and, you know, it shows what you can, you can impact yourself. I, I like the idea of the hashtag. We are going to make sure So we talked about this shit before here. We're going to make sure that that goes out. Um, there are tons and tons of people, whether they're athletes or entrepreneurs or just people who, um, you know, listen to this show around the world um, that I think that, you know, hopefully we can make even more impact by getting that uh, out there as well and, and see more um, of what you're doing. It's, it's pretty fantastic. I really hope so. Thank you for that. And, uh, you know, what's really been the most compelling for me and what I wanted to really move from is not only this knowledge translation or, you know, having the awareness yeah. um, for, for individuals of the general public or, you know, in, in the community of researchers and uh, sports professionals. But what I wanted to, um, my organization to do is to also create the actionable opportunities yeah. for fitness and sport promotion. So today, what the organization actually does is it actually creates the capacity for these individuals that have physical uh, disabilities or acquired injuries. So when I say acquired injuries, I mean like spinal cord injuries mm -hmm. or um, conditions that one may acquire later on in life, such as, yeah. for example, MS, mm -hmm. um, or even an injury, you know, that has limited an individual from uh, rec 
exercising as they normally would without any kind of visible limitation. Uh, but really what I felt was missing was that knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what I really strove and strive to continue to strive to do is to create the opportunity by actually having my organization facilitate these opportunities for adaptive fitness and sport promotion, yeah. um, not only for the community, but also for fitness and sport for professionals, which we can talk about as well. Yeah, well, and actually, because there are a lot of people that um, that uh, listen to us or in our community that are our gym owners, that are, you know, fitness professionals, all those things as well. So maybe help us, uh, there may be some people that, wow, I don't I don't even know, um, you know, what that really means. Like, what, what kind of, what does it look like if you're a coach, like you coach people um, in that type of kind of background as well. So tell us a little bit about what that means to your normal kind of gym owner to, to be able to create more opportunity. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I get asked that all the time when I'm hosting webinars or when mm. I'm, you know, in different meetings or on panel discussions. Um, and I myself, as an adaptive fitness personal trainer and consultant, work with a lot of university prof uh, professors as well um, at this point throughout the pandemic because the organization pivoted. And I realized that there's, you know, more of a need for that adaptive fitness education. Mm -hmm. And what I'm getting at is that so many people ask me what adaptive fitness means or what yeah. does it look like? Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like there's a whole science to it. And essentially there is. But what I uh, define adaptive fitness is, is really knowing what a client's needs are. Um, in this case, it would be a client that has, you know, varying mobility needs or a disability whether it's a visible or in, you know, more of an invisible nature and modifying programming, or as some of us would call it in the fitness world, scaling down programming um, or scaling the programming, not necessarily down, but scaling the programming to meet the individual's physical um, and emotional needs yeah. uh, and, and behavioral needs um, in order for them to thrive. So that looks like basically what that looks like is really getting a sense and understanding what the client would like to do and achieve from their fitness program or what their previous experiences with or if they've had exposure to fitness um you know what their comfort level is and also what they're able to physically execute in terms of movement at the beginning of this interview i mentioned that i my disability so cp um affects motor function which is walking and movement yeah so it's really understanding what level or what degree of movement an individual has and working with them to uh, devise programming to meet their needs but also to allow them to excel according to what their level of movement and strength and mobility etc is well, it, and it's and it's interesting when you when you talk about it that way it doesn't um you know it sounds different but it's the same concepts of personal training anyway, or training right. or whatever they're doing. It's the same concepts. You have to know the person that you're there and scale appropriately and all of those things. It's yeah. really, and that might be, uh, I think that's important for people. It might be intimidating for some people thinking, oh my gosh, I just don't know. So I don't want to you know, hurt somebody or anything like that. But realistically, what you've, what you've talked about is, is just maybe it's a little different, but it's the same concepts and, and how you. It really it. is. It really is. And, you know, you mentioned the intimidation and I believe the intimidation can come from from both sides of the relationship it could either sure. be that the professional is intimidated because they've never worked with an individual who's part of the demographic mm -hmm. and so they don't have the they don't have the education or they don't have the comfort level to work with an individual um, that has varying needs or special needs as they're sometimes called 
And then there's also apprehension um, on the part of the client who may feel like because they have a disability, whether it's in invisible or more visible, like in my case, using a wheelchair, they might not even feel comfortable coming to the gym. Yeah. You know, they might feel like they're judged or they're going to be alienated because of their challenge. So what I always say is that communication is paramount. Um, and I always say that regardless of, you know, if we're talking about fitness or anything, because I'm a communications professional, I think yeah. being able to communicate and talk to one another and really learn about what each other's needs are um, and goals are, um, is really crucial. And in this case, even more so. And I think what's even more important about communication um, and for fitness professionals to understand when working with special populations is if your client can't per se communicate verbally, you know, a hundred percent, like you and I are communicating right now. Yeah, um, it's important for that fitness professional to realize that there are different ways, different cues that they can use to allow their client to communicate and explain to them what they're feeling or what's wrong. Um, you know, if they're in pain during a session, for example. Mm -hmm. So not to just you know walk away, um, but really take the time and be patient to figure out, you know, what are some strategies to develop communication and comfort with the client. And I think what's really neat um, these days for fitness professionals and myself as an adaptive fitness personal trainer and consultant working with these fitness professionals um, is having them realize that there's an entire gamut of adaptive fitness equipment that's out there yeah. to allow an individual with, so to speak, limitations to be able to train at that very high performance level. And we can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I'd be interested in knowing. So, you know, a lot of people probably don't realize that either those are out there or how to kind of tap into them, that kind of thing. Um, you know, what, what are some examples and, and how, how might, uh, you know, a place kind of take a look at some of those to figure out if they, uh, they should incorporate them into their gym? So there's a whole slew of equipment. I'm still learning about yeah. all of the equipment that's on the market. And I believe, you know, we're all learning every day, but uh, through work, um, with one of my collaborators who's a manufacturer of fitness equipment. And he also, um, through work with me, got into the adaptive uh, mm -hmm. fitness equipment, you know, serving the adaptive populations more. Um, I've really come to realize that there is, as I mentioned, there are so many pieces of equipment, such as, for example, cable, uh, cable machines mm -hmm. that can be modified to suit different uh, individuals' wheelchair heights, for example. Um, and they can be adjusted according to um, a client's, you know, level of strength and mobility through things like air pressure to allow them to execute a movement more fully um, using the weight. And then also it's important for uh, fitness professionals to realize that these machines, what's really neat about um, a machine like a cable tower is that it can allow an individual um, that either uses a manual wheelchair for their mobility or a power wheelchair mm -hmm. to drive up to the um, machine and use it uh, according to their ranges of motion. Um, so, you know, that's something that a machine, I think that's very versatile that allows an individual to work total body yeah. Um some other machines, for example, there's a machine called the VitaGlide, which allows an individual to build their upper body strength. So it kind of looks like um, almost like the bars that one would use for uh, dips. Mm -hmm. um, 
and you would go into that machine, you would drive up to that machine in your wheelchair, put your forearms onto it, and then be doing dips using that machine and working on wow. cardio using that machine. So that's another example. Um, another example of a cardio machine yeah. uh, is also called the ski trainer or ski erg. Mm -hmm. A lot of fitness professionals are familiar with that machine. I'm not sure if you are, yep. but what it allows for is it allows for cardio, um, cardio and endurance to be trained. Um, and the really cool thing about it is that, again, an individual in a wheelchair um, can drive up to it and use that ski erg or ski trainer to get their reps in as they're in their wheelchair, pulling the handles of the machine down yeah. to generate power and work on their cardio. Wow. It's, and all the things that you've talked about, I mean, the majority of them, they're, they're either things that are subtle, subtle changes or like they're, you know, a skier is something that, you know, a lot of these gyms would either have, or it would just be a good addition to their gym yeah, anyway. They're pretty, they're pretty widely available. And then, yeah. you know, there's simple, simpler things such as clips, for example, that can be attached to cable machines yeah. um, to allow an individual that has dexterity. So gripping, you know, challenges with gripping in order to be able to use a machine. Um, another machine that uh, adaptive athletes like to use is called the Concept2 Rower. Mm -hmm. And the really cool thing about using a rower um, is either they have them now where the seat of the rower can be popped off to allow the wheelchair, the manual wheelchair to go onto it. Yeah. Or what I used to do at the gym is actually drive up to it um, using my power chair and still use it, just bend forward and, you know, pull the handle and I would be able to row. So really what it comes down to is having the ability to adapt and again, communicate both the client and the trainer have to communicate, you know, with what they're comfortable with and what um, pieces of equipment there are out there mm -hmm. in order to allow the individual to thrive when they're training um, and as I mentioned, there's a lot of equipment that's out there now in the market. So it's really exciting. Yeah. Um, and it could be a really large opportunity for fitness professionals, gym owners, you know, GMs to tap into this demographic if you haven't previously. Yeah. Um, and I well, work uh, that it is a big market. I mean, it's not like that's that's what's I think interesting is that the stuff that you've talked about, um, a concept too, and we have a lot of CrossFit gyms that listen um and uh you know almost every crossfit gym probably all actually would have a concept two rower or a right. few um probably a skier and some of those things too and it is interesting that um you know so much of it is attached with understanding and knowledge because that they may not know that that's that's probably with small kind of changes or at least communicating with people that you could probably bad. yeah yeah wow it, very cool and the, and the truth of it is is that right now um you know, uh, according to research, 15% of the world's global population is considered having a dis, you know, to have a disability. But I always say, you know, when I work with gym owners and, and professionals in the industry and also get presented with the question of what is adaptive fitness? Why is it important for the general public? Oh, it's such a small percentage of the population that needs it. You know, and I go, well, first of all, if you think about it, 15% of the population is not that small. And also, we need to understand that this percentage is only going to continue growing as the population ages and as, you know, God forbid, many of us will end up getting early onsets of, of various diseases or 
getting even unfortunately getting into a car accident, for example, yeah. you know, you know, you're able bodied and then all of a sudden something happens, God forbid. And next thing you know, you need those adaptations. So it's well, really and I would make the argument that it's an underserviced community right now as well. So it's not like it's just a, a cut of what everybody else is going after. I think there's there's not enough of it happening. It so is. that might be another good selling point. It is. And that's and that's why I started Flex for Access is to make it more stream and mainstream and make that mm-hmm. awareness more mainstream and to allow for those opportunities. Um, and now my work throughout the pandemic, I think I kind of hinted at this earlier, um, but I'll expand if you don't mind. Yeah. My work throughout the pandemic has been focused on working with more of the fitness professionals, so gym owners, as well as also, you know, general managers and professors in in at various academic institutions here in Canada. Um, and I would like to expand, you know, into the states and different countries across the world. So hopefully, even this podcast can lend itself to that maybe. Yeah. Um, to work with those fit um, professionals in order to make it be part of mainstream curricula when it comes to physical literacy and under helping society to understand that physical literacy is not limited to one population. We all need to be physically active and move and what it does for our mental health. Um, And I was really prompted to focus on that knowledge translation throughout the pandemic when I really realized that now I can't go to the gym because gyms are shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, throughout the pandemic, they were shut down. So the onus was on me to train like every single day, which I'm okay with, because as I mentioned, I have the motivation, but a lot of individuals don't. And then I started thinking about, you know, the demographic that I'm a part of that I help serve through my organization and through the consulting that I do in coaching. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, they're not getting the attention and the services that they need. So I really need to do something my organization needs to do more to help fitness professionals tap into that demographic more. So. Wow. Well, and, and uh, I mean, what you've done is, is incredible. And your story itself is as well. I mean, we talked before and I, I'd like to kind of call attention because we did say that you're a writer um, and, uh, and, and you do have a book, which um, I, I think is interesting because it, it does talk a little bit about your story. Um, but it really, I, I thought there was one part that um, um, really, uh, I'm trying to think of if I could remember the exact quote, but it was more about um uh, what did you call it? Uh, we have more experiences that you expose yourself to, um, the more full your journey is, I think is, is something similar to that. I'm, I'm probably not saying it as eloquently right. as you, but that's that's kind of one main part of it. I thought that was really cool um, to think of it that way, because that's that's everybody. But why don't you tell us a little bit about um, you know your book and, and where that came from and, and what it talks about a little bit? Yeah, I would love to. So actually, I've written to, written and published two books during uh, what we call pandemic time. And it was very, it's quite the experience for me to publish my memoir in 2020. Took me about seven and a half years on and off to write. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, before I got my degree in medical communications, which was my last um, graduate degree, I went to the University of Chicago, but was doing my courses online. Before that degree, I actually got my master's in creative writing. And I've been a writer since I was, six years old, you know, I started writing poetry, then I was writing short stories, you could always find me with, at that time, it was a pencil in my hand, because, you know, we didn't have computers as widely, you know, accessible to us. And I was also smaller, younger. So 
yeah. I was writing by hand, which is actually what I enjoy more um, <laughs> rather than typing. And I knew um, from grade 10, well, really, I knew since I was like six years old, I was saying, oh, I want to be a writer, you know, yeah. and I was and I was writing things. I was reflecting anywhere where I was traveling. I was writing what I was feeling and all of my interpretations and short stories and everything um, that I was experience that I was experiencing. I was writing in the form of poetry at first, mm-hmm. um, and so really, writing is a part of who I am. It's part of my DNA. Yeah. Um, but then in 2012, I got my master's in creative writing. And my thesis project was to write a novel at the time. Um, so I actually had the idea of starting to write my book at that time. But, you know, the, the program went differently than I first anticipated. And the professor I was working with told me to focus on short stories at the time. So I did in order to <laughs> complete my <laughs> master's. And, and then, but I never abandoned the idea of wanting to write a book yeah. and wanting to write my story. So in 2020, I finally published my memoir called Run in Uncharted Direction. Mm-hmm. And it's my story, tells the story of my life. Uh, so for everybody listening, it tells the story of my life, me as an individual who really believes that communication is central to everything we do and learning from every uh, experience that we get to experience, that we have the opportunity to experience um, is really the you know the key to life and yeah. not allowing ourselves to be prevented by challenges that we face along our journey um and then run focuses largely on my fitness mm-hmm. journey and my passion for fitness and sport so interwoven into that is my passion for basketball um tennis soccer as i mentioned which i developed from a very young age um and it talks about how i very strongly relate to athletes um and how my journey um, of me running on this unchar- uncharted path, the path yeah. that's not known to us through our different experiences, was strengthened by my adversity of having CP and also being diagnosed with scoliosis, which is a curvature of the spine when I was 12 years old, yeah. um, and really being stronger through the challenges and the adversity that I face. And it also covers my entrepreneurial journey of founding Flex for Access and, you know, how and why that came to be, which we talked a little bit about already during yeah. this interview. Um, and throughout the book, um, those of you who would like to purchase the book, it's available on Amazon. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called Run in Uncharted Direction. Throughout the book, um, there's a theme of, again, sport being ever-present, basketball being ever-present. So in it, I talk about how I was very much inspired by Kobe Bryant for his athletic prowess and also his creative abilities you know and what he gave to the world and how he really embodied this persona of the mama mentality of never you know never quitting never giving up yeah um i also have a chapter in there called uh 2313 where i talk about um I talk about Michael Jordan and what, you know, Michael Jordan and Kobe have meant to my life and rewriting my own personal signature. So it's really a story of my own life that, you know, I'm still very much living and and writing the chapters to, but talking about sport and fitness and how we're constantly improving upon ourselves through every experience that we face, be it one of adversity 
or one that's um, beautiful. And it, I really hope too that it speaks to entrepreneurs because when I started my entrepreneurial journey, it actually started from being turned away from a job opportunity. I was actually fired from a job. Um, and, you know, I kind of wallowed in that for about yeah. a week, I would say 10 days, you know, yeah. didn't know what to do because it was a really exciting opportunity for me. And then I actually decided to call a news outlet here in Canada, Global News, mm -hmm. um, for them to do a feature story on me and on adaptive fitness. And here we are uh, so many years later. It, it obviously was meant to be so. Yeah. Now as a, the executive director and founder of Flex for Access, um, you know, so it really went full circle for me. Um, but I'm not done and I'm really looking forward to continuing to leverage the impact of Flex for Access and my own personal, uh, you know, achievements and goals uh, and perspective that I have on movement and what that means as an individual that has physical limitations, because I still think that we have so much work to do as a society to be more, everybody uses this word inclusive right now. Yeah. And I'm not, frankly, I'm not happy with how it's used or overused. Um, I think that we all need to make a better effort at actually engaging with individuals who have challenges to hear from them, mm -hmm. rather than assuming that we know what inclusion is or how to be more accepting. Yeah. Um, it's about time that individuals like myself be given opportunities to step into arenas such as fitness, for example, and communications to, you know, really share our perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully this will, will help do that as well. Um, if people are wanting to get more involved, they've heard about you, uh, you and what, um, you know, has been going on with, um, with your organization, but um, they want to, to be able to support adaptive sports or, or just, uh, you know, get more involved. Do you have like a couple of, um, a couple of tips as, you know, how do, how do people start to do that? What would be one or two things that they could do? So similar to what I just said, the first way you can really, if you want to learn about how you can make a difference and get involved, you know, and there, you know, dare I say, you know, make yourself be a more knowledgeable or better individual. The first thing you have to do is ask and communicate, you know, Jamie, you know, if there's something that you don't know that you'd like to learn about adaptive fitness and sport promotion, I'd be happy to have that conversation with you. Yeah. Um, and I will share with you that lots of individuals who are part of special populations will be happy to share their perspectives. Um, so the first thing to do is, like we said, we have been saying, communicate and ask. If people want to support Flex for Access, the way they can do that, the way you can all do that for everyone who's listening is by visiting www.flexforaccess.ca. The organization is a registered nonprofit organization. So the website does have a donate tab and the donations that you would make go straight to the organization and help to facilitate opportunities for adaptive fitness and sport promotion, be they um, adaptive fitness training sessions, sports programs, or going towards the purchase of adaptive exercise equipment for the gyms that I work with and those that I'm hoping to you know, continue to leverage the impact with. And also like to learn about um, my books and, you know, read them and engage with uh, myself as a writer and communications professional. The way you can do that is also through my website. There are links to, to my two books um, that are available on Amazon, but for 
those of you who want to know the titles, if you're interested in purchasing them after you listen to this podcast, the first one is, as we mentioned, Run an Uncharted Direction, and it's my memoir. Um, and for those, those of you who are sports fans and entrepreneurs um, and very passionate about fitness, it may be very much up your uh, alley. And the other book that I've written is called Life's Lava, Quotes, Values, and Reflections that Light Our Souls and Color Our Days with Reason. And that book was written um, also in the pandemic last year to help provide motivation and inspiration uh, for all of us as we face, you know, the unknown uh, uncharted times that are in front of us and very much still upon us. Yeah. I'm um, a book of quotes that I've compiled, all which are written by me, along with photography. Awesome. Well, and what we'll do is we'll put all of those things in the show notes as well. So we'll have some links for those. So um, if people didn't get that right away, just go on to the show notes and uh, and we'll have links to um, uh, to all of those different things in there as well. And, and definitely take advantage of it. Um, you know, I, I, I would tell you, there's there's been a lot of great stuff today and I, I enjoy it because I've learned a lot today already. Um, but I'm sure other people listening um, that as well. And, and also hopefully uh, a lot of those people who maybe uh, are in the um, position where they can they can help or they can maybe do things in their own whether it's in their own gyms or in those things definitely find out more um communicate about it but also um you know definitely take a look at it because it's uh it's also good business sense as well i would i would argue so um you know it's it's great that you've been able to provide all of that um thank you for that jamie and the other thing i wanted to mention also i mentioned working more increasingly with fitness professionals and gym owners and uh profession professors of different institutions throughout Canada um, mm-hmm. throughout the pandemic and also presenting at conferences. One of the things that we've recently done is Flex for Access produced an ebook, um, which is the organization's ebook for fitness mm-hmm. professionals to learn about adaptive fitness and actually have practical takeaways for how they can modify oh. programming. And it also incorporates um, there's a whole section. The ebook is over 60 pages long. There's a whole section of adaptive equipment and considerations that fitness professionals can make to make their facilities more accessible. Um, So one thing that I would suggest, um, and I would love to have happen is for those of you listening who are in the fitness industry, if you're interested in learning more about how to make your facility more um, accessible and to cater more to special populations, if you would like to download the ebook, um, it is available for purchase through the website. And uh, once you purchase it through the products and resources tab, I'll get a notification that it's been purchased uh, from PayPal, and then I'll send you your copies. And I would love to work with you as a consultant to help make your uh, gym, your facility, um, gym, you know, if it's a small studio or a larger studio, be more accessible and also uh, to help you devise programming as well. That's that's great. Well, thank you very much for this. It's been uh, it's been amazing. And, um, you know, again, if you haven't kind of connected with all of the stuff um, that Jess gave you, we will have that in there. Make sure that you follow up and, and take a look. And, um, you know, thanks very much for um, uh, for sharing all your knowledge today, Jess. Really Pleasure. appreciate thank that. Thank you for having me. And I'm really hoping, as I said, that this podcast will lead to other opportunities for us to collaborate through. Wow. I hope so. I hope so as well. And and for everyone listening, if you haven't hit subscribe on the podcast do that right now we have great people every week just like jess um and uh yeah again um thanks very much for your time and um you know we'll uh, uh we'll hopefully see lots of things happening in the next uh, little while as well jess appreciate Thank it you.
All right. Thank you, everybody, and, for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. And, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll talk again soon on Big Idea, Big Moves. Thanks for listening to the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. Be sure to drop us a comment on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at bigidea underscore big moves. We love to hear your feedback. Till next time, remember, big change comes from small, consistent actions. 